Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, July 19th, 2020 called Word of God Speak, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours. Jesus Christ, our Savior. And um, there's a way to take notes if you want to do it. You can take your phone out, look at that. The epistle reading, it's printed for you. If you happen to take a printed bulletin, it's in Romans. We're uh, continuing to work our way here in the summer in, uh, through a whole series of different readings in Romans. And it's one of the things I love. This whole thing that we've called it is simply called, uh, let the Word of God speak. So, a lot of times it's easy if you're a preacher, it's like, well, I want to talk about a certain topic. So then you go find 10 passages in the scripture to support your already preconceived conclusions about what you want to tell people about that topic. So that is a way to preach. I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of this one that says, okay, here's the reading for today. What does God want his people to know? Because that way then the word of God is in charge, right? Instead of me. So that's what we're trying to do. And I'm being honest with you, this is a hard one. This is a challenging one. Um, just as an example, here's a couple of just key, key words from this text. Romans chapter 8, and Ben, I don't know, something happened with my mic. Um, it sounds like Yeah, you know it does, I know. You're, is there? Sorry. <laughs> um, is there anything you want me to do? Okay. Um, I, we apologize. Every once in a while, the gremlins get in the system. So, um, <clears throat> so just a couple of verses from this, because Romans 8 is a very, very beloved passage. As I told you last week, my single favorite verse in all of Scripture is Romans 8, verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's just my, that's my verse, my go-to verse. Um, but then there's others, Romans 8, which Pastor Von Bush is going to get to preach on, Next week, the end of it is the, some of the most soaring words of all of Scripture. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, you know, nothing, nothing at all. And we are more than conquerors. It's wonderful. But this middle section here has some challenging pieces. For example, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is a time of, of suffering, isn't it? Although every once in a while, I've said this to Jim, my evil twin every once in a while says, I wonder what the first century Christians would think of us. You know, that we're so terrified and scared we can't come to church or do things, you know, and the first century Christians are being burned at the stake. You know, I mean, it's different. It's just different. But uh, I, I, nothing can compare, is what he's saying. Our present sufferings, nothing can compare to the glory which is to be revealed in us. COVID-19 is not the only thing that, where people are suffering, is it? We almost, it almost seems like we make it that way, although you'll hear reports here and there. Suicide rates, depression, people who have invested their entire life savings in a small business and it's now gone to them. Um, other people are going along just because of the nature of their work and so forth and are actually doing great working from home, or they've gotten a subsidy from the government or whatever. Others are in desperate need. 
Uh, we, as I have said to you week after week, if you have not today yet stopped and thanked God for living in southeast Idaho, you should do that. Um, we are so blessed. Um, because there are places in which this is, this is a nightmare for people. And that genuine, real human suffering we should be sensitive to. Um, and we should be aware of it and give thanks that we are blessed and pray for those that are genuinely hurting. So there are present sufferings in this age, are there not? And they're certainly not limited to the causes of the pandemic. Relationships still falter. Diagnoses of health other than, other, um, other than COVID-19 are still being made. People are still longing on their knees for reconciliation, restoration, and hope. And by the way, this passage has a wonderful section on hope that I would have desperately loved to preach on. But you know what? We pick a theme every year for a church and school year. And our theme this coming year, when we launch it in August, is going to be living hope. I think that's a good word for us. Living hope. We have a living hope. Romans 15. It's in Romans 15. Look it up. Romans 15, verse 13. We have a living hope. So I could have preached a couple of sermons on that. Jim and I could have done that. But we're going to hold on that and look at these other kind of odd things. I believe that our present sufferings don't begin to compare. That's one thing. Here's another. The next verse. Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Well, that's weird. What does that mean? Like creation is this person? Creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Then it talks about it's in um, creation's been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I mean, there are many scientists and climatologists and so forth who would absolutely echo that. Others who would love to say it's not worth fighting over or arguing about, it's not important. I, I make no political statements in these places. It's not what I'm doing. But it's interesting that creation and its groaning appears here in the middle of Romans 8. And then you have, oh, and then you have this other piece and then in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That's an interesting statement, I find. So three things I want to chat with you about this. I think there are significant, I think there's some serious things here. Things that are important for us to grapple with and be humble about. The first one is this. I'll tell you a story about our sister congregation across way, Faith Lutheran Church. Um, I will tell you that over the last, say, six or seven years, several times we have met with the leadership of that church and worked up pros and cons lists. We've done a comparison analysis. And essentially it is this dire, should we continue? Or does that church close? Because they have struggled with leadership and with pastors being faithful and serving and working. And we've partnered with them to kind of keep them afloat with our own pastors and deacons and tried to keep them going. And the last time, they were so tired. We sat there, and I'm sitting in with their leadership, and we're working out a pro and con list. So should we keep this church alive, or should we close the doors? And the con list, the con list that we should close the doors 
was much longer than the pro list of staying open. They were tired, tired, tired of the fight. And they said, we'll just join you guys over at Grace. And I said, but you know, there's a bunch of your folks who don't want to do that. Our church is too big, and they want a smaller church. They want a family type of church. What do we do? And I said, well, we got to, you know, we got this guy. And his name is Kirk. And his father-in-law, who was a pastor up in Ashton, recommended him to us. He's not Lutheran, but he wants to study. So I took him through life in Christ and confirmed him, and he became their minister. And I'll tell you what, they're baptizing nine people August 9th. And that church is now almost doubled in its attendance since it began. And Kirk is one of the humblest and most gracious people. He is just thrilled and overwhelmed. And his dear wife, Laura, who teaches here in our schools, will be our librarian this coming year following Ms. Tatum, Ms. Tatum. And they're just, I can't believe it. He said, we're baptizing nine people. He said, I need Pastor Von Bush over there. I need someone to play the drums because we're going to have us a real celebration. And you know, it's really fun because I'm thrilled that they wanted us to be there to celebrate that with them and to rejoice in that. Because you know, when you did the pro-con list, it, it wasn't good. In fact, by all reasonable analysis, when they told me, we're gonna we just should close the doors and we'll just join you guys over at Grace, I said, I'm not okay with that. I know it doesn't look good. But God has given you everything you need in the means of grace and in his word and his promise to keep going. God's going to find a way. And God did find a way. So you know what's interesting? Point number one is this. I love this that Paul says nothing compares. We compare all the time, don't we? We're constantly measuring. I used a measuring tape not too long ago, a month or two ago or whatever it was. We're constantly measuring, comparing. How do we tell if we're doing well or poorly or good or bad? And you know, I love this about Paul because he says nothing compares to our present sufferings. And our present sufferings are so hard, and they are genuine. They are sufferings. He isn't saying your present imagined sufferings. The present hurts you're enduring. So he gets it. Paul knew what hurt was about. Stoned, beaten, cast out, rejected. His life was threatened many, many times. Hated by people. He knows what suffering was about. So he says, those sufferings, they sit right here, don't they? They are right there. They are right there, which allows you to never begin to understand what the future glory can be, what God is intending for you in peace and in hope. Those sufferings are real, but he says, we try to compare them. We'd have nothing to compare them to. Remember this story? I was going to tell this story in the first service. I left it out. Jaime Escalante. Do you remember that name? It's from the movie Stand and Deliver. And in, he, he was at Garfield High School in one of the worst parts of L.A. He was a math teacher. Do you remember this story? And he goes into this horrible school, this high school. These kids are not succeeding at all. Almost all of them are Hispanic. And they're just not getting, they're not getting funding. People think these kids are worthless. They're not getting helped. And Jaime comes in. He's from Bolivia. And he comes in and he says, I'm offering AP Calculus. AP Calculus. They all laughed at him. You're nuts. This is in the late 70s. By the late 80s, he was producing between 60 and 70 AP Calculus graduates who earned college credit for AP Calculus. 
And he kept telling those kids over and over and over, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Because you know what? They had done a cost-benefit analysis, a pro-con list on those kids, and they had decided they are not worth it. Nothing compares. You know, the hurts that you may be going through, they're real. But the glory which God has in store for you, that's even more real. And that glory is a glory which God is longing for us to cling to and to hope for. And so Paul goes in to this creation analysis. He goes into this creation idea, and you sit there and you go, well, what in the world does creation have to do with this? Point number two, what does creation have to do with it? Now, I'm, I'm going to go backwards here a little bit. If, you look at, if you're looking in your stuff, verse 20 and 21, and then I want to jump back to 19, but 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration. Is that such an interesting image, this uh, humanization of creation? It's as if it's a human being frustrated, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, by the will of God. In other words, when Adam and Eve sinned, perfect creation all went, all went to, forgive me, all went to hell too, right? Apart from God's will, apart from God, broken. And it's so funny to us, Jim talked about settling, right? Settling. We look at creation, and we live in a part of the world where creation is stunning, phenomenal, unbelievable. We can find places that you think you're in paradise. Nothing compares to the glory which God has in his restored creation. Nothing compares to it. Don't settle. That's something that he's saying here. Don't settle. Don't settle for the broken creation that we have but rather long for the creation which God is hoping to make in us, in His people. Don't be satisfied that people are hurting and broken and, well, that's just the way it is. Or they deserved it. Or they made those choices. Don't settle for hurting people. Don't settle for what's less than God's restorative hand. So all creation subject to frustration by God himself in the brokenness of creation, but in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And this is the part that I love so much. Verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Now, last week I talked about that, that term sons of God. And I hope this helps a little bit because I don't want it to sound chauvinistic or misogynistic or anything like that. But what Paul is saying there, because you know Paul in another part, in an earlier part of writing, says there is no male nor female, slave nor Greek, right, Jew, nor, you know, that kind of thing. But we are all children of God. What he's saying is what God has actually done is whether you're male or female, he has made you as if you are a firstborn son, as if you are the one who will inherit everything. That's how God has made us. So he's waiting for those to be revealed. Think about that. An eager expect creation is longing for the children of God to be revealed. I love that verse. I think in this moment that we're in, in a pandemic, I, I'd laugh about this. We were down in uh, Salt Lake City. Teresa and I decided to make an Ikea pilgrimage, right? So we go, right? Who knows? Maybe we need some new chairs for the front, you know, or something like that. So we go. It opens at 11 now. Food court is all closed. Swedish meatballs, you know. Anyway, all gone. So we go there, time it so that we'll be there at about 
two minutes after 11, they'll open the doors. So we drive up and we see, oh, there's a little line of people. They're letting them in, you know, they're letting them in, being safe. It's awesome. We walk in there and all of a sudden, oh, the line keeps going. All the way, you know, have you ever been to Ikea? The length of the building and back and back and back and back. I am not kidding, like six times. My wife knows how I love lines, so she just turned around without a word and walked back to the car. So anyway, we left. But I was amazed because you know what I discovered, in, at least in Utah and Salt Lake, Salt Lake County, um, everyone, the play, every place was packed. Traffic on I-15 was insane. It was just, and so I came to this conclusion, and thank you all for being here today. This is easily the best attendance in worship that we've had since we reopened on Mother's Day. Because we had really good attendance at 8.32. So thank you for coming. We will continue to try to make you as safe as we can, as we can possibly do it. But I had to laugh because in Utah County and down there in Salt Lake City, I said, well, it looks like everyone's doing whatever they want. I'm not saying things are back to normal. People are just doing what they want. And the pandemic gives you a built-in excuse to not do the things you don't want to do. Right? So if you don't want to do it, you just say, oh, pandemic, right? So it's intriguing because those people at Ikea, I'll bet there were a 1,000 people waiting in line to get into Ikea, which my nightmare would have been we'd get up to the door and they'd say, no, sorry, full, right? You're not allowed in. So anyway, so what does creation have to do with this? Subjected to frustration, liberated from his bondage to decay, eagerly waiting for the sons of God to appear. I believe in this season, as in any season, but in this season in particular, God is longing for his children to be revealed. Creation is longing for his children to be revealed. Here's the difference. You know what Christians need to do? We are known so much for what we're opposed to. We, or, you know, it sounds like we're part of the rioters and the protesting. Rioters and protesting are just tearing things down. Christians need to be known for, and we can't be that. Christians should not be known for what they're tearing down or the people they're tearing apart, but rather what we're building. A people of grace, a people of mercy, where every one of us comes to the Lord in humility. Every one of us comes seeking to be restored. Every one of us says everyone has access to the full and free and welcoming and honoring love of God in Christ. That's what creation is longing for. That, not to be torn down, but to be restored and to be built up. How critical is it for us to be known for that, not for that which is chopping at the knees of others, but longing to build up people in the very image of Christ, because that is how we've been made in creation, in the very image of God, to be restored. So all of creation is groaning and longing for us to be revealed. Another story I didn't forgot to tell at 8.30. I have to laugh. When we did the high school, you know, the, the basement was unfinished. Because we didn't need it at first. We only had the ninth graders and then 10th graders, you know, and so forth. And then as we grew some, we needed a cafeteria and we needed an art room and we needed an additional room. Now we've got a weight room down there. We've got a cafeteria, have an art room, got a kiln. We have a foreign language room, lots of lockers, all kinds of cool things. But I remember when it was unfinished and Louise Lee, so Chantel's grandma, we went down there on a January at a state of the church report. And we go down there, and I'm telling the story of the high school and how someday we hope to finish the basement. We have no money, you know, this and that. So we're talking down there, and she's looking at all this unfinished basement. 
Because all it was was raw concrete and a couple of walls standing around just holding up the rest of the building. That's all it was down there. And she pulls me aside and she's looking at that and she looks at all this. She goes, this is just wrong. We need to fix this. And so she says to me, how would $100,000 do? <laughs> I said, that would do just fine. And actually, it was funny because I made a commitment to her. I said, I said, Louise, you give us that money, I will do everything in my power to complete that basement for $100,000. Now, if you know anything about construction, it was 8,000 square feet. That was a stupid promise. Stupid promise. Should have cost more than twice that. And we did it for $106,000. And so we honored her gift, but she looked at that unfinished thing and said, this is wrong. And I believe creation looks at that the same way. This is unfinished. It's just wrong. And it's time for the children of God to be revealed. And the children of God now, now I could stop here in the sermon. I could say, come on, children of God, let's do it. Let's reveal Christ in us and let's do that. And you might walk out and you'd be under another burden. Because after trying for a few hours or a few days or a few weeks, you'd go, Okay, I give up. Or if you were successful, you'd feel better about yourself than the other poor schlubs who, who didn't do it. But that's not where this, this text ends. Creation is eagerly longing for the children of God to be revealed in it as builders, not destroyers. As those who proclaim Christ, who has healed us and longs to heal all. Who wants to finish creation and restore it. But the last word on this so how does this happen for us? The third point, if we go to the third one. So look at this part where he says, with the Spirit. Because this is where it gets good. How do the children of God begin to reveal themselves in creation? How do we do it? Because if all I say is, you know, gosh, you know, read your Bible and come to church more and just be better Christians and we'll reveal that to him. That doesn't usually end very well. But here's how I want it to end well. Because it's time for the Spirit of God for us to plead and for him to lead. You know, when we ask, we sent out a survey. I don't know how many of you got it, a little questionnaire. If you're on our email list, you probably got that, a link to a survey. Because we're trying to figure out how to plan for the fall and how to help people. Um, we want to plan ministry. Because I don't think it's realistic to say when things get back to normal, right? I don't think that's a realistic thing to say. I think the fall is going to be upon us sooner than later. I'm proud that our school is opening, working so hard to make it safe, but using the best data that we have on transmission rates and on kids and how important it is for kids to be in school. I'm really proud of them. But we don't know how that will hold, do we? We don't know. And so the, I, heard, I heard on a radio broadcast, there's a new beatitude, you know, Jesus is blessed are. Now the new one in this is blessed are the flexible, Right? for they shall not snap. Thank you. Blessed are the flexible, and that's how we are. What's best for kids? What can we do? How can we do it? That's what God's called us to do. So how do we do this the best possible way? Because if all we do is sit here and say, I'm going to come up with a plan of discipleship, I'm going to come up with a plan for being a better Christian, this is what I find. If we send out a poll and we ask you a question, you know what, when you get that poll, you know what that immediately makes you? An expert. You ever notice how rarely people say when they're asked a question about something, they may ask you your opinion about all kinds of things. It could be, 
It could be ec economics. It could be on a, uh, unemployment. It could be on racism. It could be on Black Lives Matter. It can be on whatever. Take the list. What's the list? COVID-19 transmission and CDC governance and the governor of the state. And how's he doing? We'll ask your opinion on all those. How often do you hear someone say, you know, I'm really not well educated on that? and I really am not really in a position to speak with any intelligence on that, you should probably ask someone who is. Anybody say that? No, they will wax eloquently for hours as perfect experts on every one of those topics. If I could tell Christian people today, if there's one thing I'm longing for, is for us to walk humbly, really humbly. When I say humbly, that doesn't mean that we're doormats and doesn't mean we think we're stupid. It just means I have a God who knows more than me. I have a God who cares more than me. I have a God who longs to shape me in his own image instead of me trying to shape God in my image. And so that's what these verses are saying. It's time for the Spirit of God. It's time for us to plead and allow the Spirit of God to lead. Because I love this passage. The, whole, the Spirit of God says, we do not know what to pray for. You know, it's funny when I read that, because I go, I know lots of things to pray for. How many of you, though, know that feeling when you get to that spot, and you are out of words? It may be a diagnosis you've gotten. It may be a relationship that has broken. It may be a job which has been lost or a judgment in the workplace. It may be a friend who's turned their back. I don't know what it is. But there are moments when I'm out of words, and that's saying something. But I know that when I'm out of words, then the one who needs to speak starts speaking. Because that's when the Spirit starts speaking, through His Word, through those around me who love me, those who love you. And that's what we're longing for. That's how the children of God can be revealed to creation. And it will rejoice in the children of God who are pleading for the Holy Spirit to lead instead of us asking God to come along on my lead. That we submit to how God will shape and form. And we find that in his word. We find it in his promise. The promises that he has never broken and will always keep. And that's what creation is longing for, that we would lead in humility, in submission. That's our hope. Our hope is submission, that he might lead. May God grant it, for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you have any questions or comments about this sermon, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.